0: Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. And to be quite honest, after what John just shared, I think we can pack up and go home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So I um, I really appreciate that, John, because I know um, my family has gone through a lot over the last several years, and I know your family's going through a lot right now, and to, to hear you bear testimony on the goodness in the, the name of Jesus was encouraging, and um, encouraged me to hear that from you, so thank you. He, he was worried I'd call him out this morning, and I'm complimenting him, so you're good. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be. Um, we're going to uh, study a topic here that's kind of been near and dear to my heart for the last several years, uh, this idea of unity. The title is A Unified Walk. And um, I don't know about you, but um, I uh, have had the unique privilege um, of growing up in church for literally all my life, uh, for the exception of the first two weeks in the uh, hospital. And, uh, and as soon as I was uh, born, I was brought up and raised in church. And um, I've seen a lot of different things uh, throughout uh, my years and uh, within the church and a lot of great things. And a lot of things I just kind of scratched my head at, like, why is this happening? And um, a couple of weeks back, uh, Pastor Aaron had uh, had asked me uh, at the conclusion of uh, the series that we just uh, finished up, The Proclaimed Messiah. Uh, we had like kind of two weeks, uh, this week and next week, in between the start of our next series. And so him and I decided, hey, let's divvy it up. I'll take the first, and, and he'll take next Sunday. And this idea of unity, especially within the church, has kind of been something that has been a, a part of my Heart and study over the last several months, if not year, and uh, in fact, when Pastor Aaron and I first had the conversation on speaking this week and next week, um, I was already like reading articles and reading passages on this topic and I just felt it appropriate uh, to kind of share um, just a verse by verse study of Ephesians chapter four uh, but before we go there, did everyone have a great christmas yes, all right good that 's great to hear mine was great uh, it was relaxing. we were out of the office all week and uh, Probably Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, we had a little bit of the bug floating around our house still, uh, like many of you. Uh, Kenna got probably the worst of it. Uh, she had a fever from Thursday all the way through Tuesday, and the, the Tylenol, the children's Tylenol and all that stuff was breaking it, but Tuesday morning got up to 103 day after Christmas, and uh, the Tylenol didn't even touch her fever. So uh, thankfully, uh, we were able to get and see uh, her doctor within an hour and a half, and uh, Uh, The doctor gave her an antibiotic shot and a steroid shot, and within an hour, she was feeling better, and I told the doctor the next day on the follow-up, when I get sick, I'm coming to you for that antibiotic shot. Forget the prescriptions, forget all that stuff, but um, so we we had a great week, Um, we we did some uh, stuff around the house, we did some day trips, and we had a great time at Christmas with family. Um, I got some pretty cool gifts this year, but one of the most interesting gifts that I got, and uh, I didn't really share this publicly, but... My brother-in-law knows I'm a uh, foodie, knows that I, there's certain foods that I just really love, and um, he goes and hands me a a gift, and it's like a round, heavy, like, cylinder, and it's got rounded edges on it, and I'm like, what is this? And sure enough, I open it up, and uh, I'm not going to eat all of it, but it was a three-foot-long yard-o'-beef by Hillshire Farms. <laughs> I love summer sausage, and when I opened it up, I just laughed and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to eat all this. So um, I think we're taking it to like a, uh, a, a thing tonight. Anyways, um, so we had some pretty cool gifts, um, and it's always great. I'm starting to realize as the older I get, Christmas, and when it comes to gift giving and receiving, uh, it's, I just should have realized this a year or two ago, but you, you come to realize that it's about the children and all the gifts that they get to open. And then you realize, wait a second, I'm an adult. I only get one gift from everyone. Not like three, four, five, or six, like my daughter who got like fifty gifts, but um, it was a great time, and uh, I, I hope you had a great um, holiday season. And as we wrap up um, this year, now a lot of times when we come to the end of the new year, uh, the the question is put out there: Hey, what what are your resolutions? What what's your resolution for two thousand eighteen? And and I jokingly said, well. I'm not going to make a resolution for 2018 because I'll keep it if I don't make one. And, uh, but there's, there's times where I personally don't mind resolutions. I personally kind of like to set goals, uh, for me personally. Um, cause what happens when I set a resolution, I break it within a week or two and, uh, and a majority of resolutions this time of year uh, always happens to come around the fact that the holidays have just passed, the gift giving has been great, the fellowship, the family fun has been there, and there's also been this thing called delicious food. So a lot of those resolutions or goals are, okay, I need to lose weight, you know, the weight I just put on in the last 10 days. And so, um, <coughs> and so it's interesting, a lot of resolutions come into that regard, and, and, and I got to thinking, um, when it comes to that idea of a resolution of, hey, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to take care of my body more, I'm going to uh, you know, eat healthier in 2018 is typically what we hear. When I started to hear that, I, I started to kind of think back to the idea of, you know, a lot of times as individuals, that, that's a common goal. Uh, We want to take care of ourselves, and I I spoke with a gentleman this morning about how there's certain foods that I wouldn't mind cutting out of my diet, and there's certain drinks that I don't need to drink anymore. Um, I will not preach against Coca-Cola for the sake of pastor, but um, at the same time, you know, I could personally, I could drink less soda. I, I could do some of these things. You know, it's interesting, as we grow through the progression of our life, I was thinking about this with my wife, uh, a few months away from having our second child, the uh, the nesting session has settled in. We're already talking about cleaning out the baby's room and getting it repainted. And, and I'm like, we got like five, six months. Even though the baby's doing four months, the baby's going to be in our room for a little bit. and uh, But that, that mode has kind of gone in. So I started thinking about the physical growth. I started thinking about uh, our daughter, Kenna. And I remember watching the progression of her stages of crawling, or excuse me, not even crawling. What did she do first? She just laid around. She basically, for all intents and purposes, and I love my daughter, don't take this the wrong way, she was useless. She just laid there. She was cute. She was adorable. She made the funniest facial expressions, and she still does to this day. But from laying around, before the crawling came in, she learned how to scoot. Uh, put her hands out and just kind of dragged herself across the floor. And then I remember the first day she started crawling, and and then I was like, all right, our lives are officially over. Uh, then she started taking a few steps, and then those steps turned into walking. And now she runs. She's almost three years old, and it kind of like, wow. So all those growth steps that happen in our life, and then I started to think about how we naturally grow physically. We need food. We need milk. But then I started to think about, well, how do we grow spiritually in the same respect? You know, spiritually, we're born uh, with uh, our sin nature. We're born uh, spiritually separated from God, where for all intents and purposes, we're lost. The next logical step that we see throughout Scripture is to come to a point of salvation where we ask God for forgiveness and we ask Him through His Son Christ to save us. And then if you were to kind of measure those steps like I did a moment ago with physical growth uh, in the spiritual growth, you can look at be- from going lost to saved, from then c- kind of following the, uh, that next step in uh, obedience and baptism, and then and starting to grow would be the next step. Starting to to serve others or even share your faith would kind of be those next uh, progressive steps when it comes to our spiritual growth. I mentioned a moment ago whether it's those resolutions, those goals. Uh, one goal I personally kind of am um, convicted about and, and, and I try to tell myself to do this daily is to simply stay consistent. Stay consistent. Now, I don't use that as an out to say, I could stay consistently bad and just continue to eat the wrong foods or whatever. Um, But not only on the physical aspect, (coughs) but also the spiritual side of of my growth. And so the question I had was, well, how can I stay consistent in my physical growth, but not stay consistent when it comes to my spiritual growth? We all need to eat food. We all need to drink. We all need to stay healthy. uh, and, And it's almost easier for us to be consistent in in that area, but when it comes to our spiritual growth, so many times, and i 've done this too, we get comfortable, or we, we feel like we get to a point where, for the lack of a better term, we arrived and, and to be quite honest when we 're we're reading the passage today, written by a man by the name of paul who who said i haven 't even arrived and I look at Paul as one of the giants of the faith, a man who a man who literally was persecuting and killing Christians, to then being turned to God and, and accepting christ and And in reality, he he penned a majority, by the grace of God, of the entire New Testament. A majority of the books in the New Testament, Paul had a part in writing. And he even said, look, I haven't arrived. But it's interesting in this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, he really hits this idea of unity. And and before we go further, I want to take a moment to pray. And then we're going to go through these verses, uh, four quick points this morning, and then... um, and then we'll be on our way. Lord, thank you so much for this day, this opportunity uh, to be here at church, Lord, to uh, to worship you and uh, and to fellowship with, with others, uh, other believers. And, and Lord, we thank you so much uh, just for uh, your many blessings. We thank you for the ability to celebrate Christmas and uh, the reason for you sending your son uh, to this earth. And, and Lord, we thank you so much for that gift uh, to make eternal life available for each and every one of us through the death on the cross. And and, uh, and God, I just pray in these next few moments, you would uh, allow me to say exactly what you'd have me to say. Lord, I pray you hold back my cough. I, I pray that I'm just able to clearly communicate um, exactly what you'd have me to share this morning. Lord, we love you. I ask this in your name. Amen. Before we go into the study, uh, the, the point of today's message, if you will, um, when it comes to being unified is this, it kind of ties in this idea of growing in our faith. And I feel like in order for us as Christians to progressively grow in our faith, we must remain unified in our walk. In order for us to grow, we must remain unified in our walk. And before I go too further, let me give you a little bit of backstory as to why I feel this is like a, a lesson that the Lord really wanted me to share. Over the last two years, I've experienced a lot of different things with the passing of both my parents um, and, and just different things within in my vocations, whether it was working at a previous ministry or working at Costco or even working here. There's a lot of changes, a lot of different things coming about, and there's a lot of things that I've learned and kind of stepped back and observed. And um, I'm not saying this is a problem here at Oasis Baptist, but one of my pet peeves as a uh, a Christian is when other Christians criticize other Christians. Um, It just rubs me the wrong way. I feel like it's counterproductive. I feel like, hey, we're in this fight together and uh, we're here to advance the kingdom of God and yet we're worried about the way someone does something a little bit differently at such and such a church or such and such a place. And, and so a lot of that, that um, those dif- differences, and, and don't get me wrong, I think there's reasons to stay separate and there's reasons too to kind of separate when it comes to doctrinal issues. But um, when it came to like, what you wear to church or what music is played or why so and so's not at church and they're on vacation and, and some of those like issues kind of like rub me personally the wrong way i just felt like like they're not us and we don't expect them and and sometimes i've kind of gone through a lot of that stuff to where i saw a lot of disunity personally and when i read scripture and i was explaining this uh, this morning when i read this chapter in Ephesians chapter 4 it reminds me of truths from Scripture that I've always known. But then it also says, hey, this is the steps. This is what you need to do. And a lot of times today, we find ourselves saying, hey, I don't know what to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to behave. Well, We're going to go through 16 verses here quickly this morning. And it's literally a step-by-step thing of, hey, this is what you need to do from Paul as he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And the the idea of unity is so intertwined It's for us to grow in our faith we must remain unified in our walk we're going to look at four ways uh, for us to walk number one this morning is to walk worthy walk worthy so if you have your bibles ephesians chapter 4 <coughs> verses 1 through 3 walk worthy the bible says i therefore paul is speaking here the prisoner of the lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness with long-suffering Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Right at the beginning of the verse, we see Paul here is writing from prison. He's a prisoner. Uh, he's, uh, he says that I'm a prisoner of the Lord. It really kind of gives this idea of, hey, hate to sugarcoat it. But the Christian life may cost us some things. There may be some trials. There may be things that we come across. And and Paul here, in the context of being in prison, is is beseeching, is urging, is pleading with the members of this Ephesian church. And, And the same can be said that the Lord is pleading with us today here at Oasis Baptist that... We are to walk worthy. This idea of worthy, it literally means to um, to walk after a godly sort. In other words, to to be godly on a daily basis is what Paul here is saying. And, and he urges the members to do that. In other words, he says, be everything and anything the Lord desires you to be. How many times do we try to live life based off of our plans and not what the Lord necessarily wants for us? In this verse, I see him urging and calling uh, the entire church to do this not just certain individuals not just certain parts of the church leadership he, he's not specifically addressing the pastoral staff or or or, or 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 the deacons or or what it may be he's talking to the entirety of the ephesian church that you all need to walk worthy walk godly on a daily basis it's almost like a rallying cry and i don't know about you but there's some things i get really excited about um if you ask pastor aaron it, I get excited about sports, and uh, sometimes on the crazy side of getting excited about sports. Uh, the other night, we're watching a hockey game, and uh, the Golden Knights and the Kings were playing. It was in overtime. McKenna's in bed, and the Golden Knights score a game-winning goal in overtime. I jumped up around the house downstairs, and I was celebrating. I was screaming, but it was one of those screams where you had to be really quiet because your daughter was upstairs sleeping, and if my wife if I woke up my daughter, I would not hear. I wouldn't be watching much hockey anymore. Anyways, I get excited uh, about certain things, whether it's sports or whatever. But it's almost like in this context, when look at the context of where Paul's at in prison, and and, and he's urging the church that they walk worthy of the vocation wherewith they are called. And, and, and in another translation, that word vocation simply means calling. Saying, "Hey." Walk worthy in where God has called you to go. Whether, and, and that's the cool thing. A lot of times we think of vocation, we think of job, we think of um, a variety of other things. And, and, and one commentator said, look, this vocation, this calling starts with a call to salvation. In other words, Paul says, look, in order for you to have the call of God on your life, you first must call upon God in salvation. You must realize that, yes, I'm a sinner, and, 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 as, as, and the Bible says that I'm going to a place called hell if I don't turn and if I don't repent and, and I don't ask Christ to save me. But not only is it a call to salvation, um, it's this calling uh, of, of what God wants us to do in our life. You know, our vocations may differ. Um, we may, some of us may be in law enforcement. Some of us may be in the healthcare industry. Some of us may be uh, in ministry or, or retail or whatever it may be. Our vocations may differ, but according to the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, the uh, the call to share our faith is the same for every Christian. And, and so, and, and that's not like only certain people will will share their faith. No, that call is for everyone. You know. Then I started to think, and, and this is where kind of going uh, retrospective. Uh, about how I treated myself when it came to working uh, at work. And, and then I started asking the question okay, what kind of work ethics do I put at work? Do I want to just kind of go to work and, and just kind of float along and do what I need to do, clock in, clock out, go home? Or do I go to work with the attitude of, hey, I want to learn more, I want to apply myself harder, and, and, and I want to be used to the best of my ability as, as I continue to grow? And, um, I thought, man, a lot of people have that mindset when it comes to their day-to-day job. I want to learn more. I want to excel or go up the corporate ladder, so to speak. But yet, then I asked myself the question, do we have that same attitude when it comes to our walk with God? And and, and I I know a lot of times, depending on the industry you may work in, uh, there's on-the-job training. Uh, technologies and things change rapidly to where you need to stay on top of things and you need to know what's happening in order to stay relevant unless you get replaced. Um, I I, I saw that in my mom's own career. She literally had to take on different little side jobs because of some of the jobs that she was trained for got outsourced to a computer or or some software came in and and did everything that she was trained to do in in some way or another. And so when it comes to our faith, how are we to walk worthy? How are we to walk godly on a daily basis? And the cool thing is <coughs> in verses two and three, Paul answers that very question. How do we walk worthy? He says, with all lowliness, which means to be humble. He says, in meekness, which means to be gentle, with long suffering, which means to be patient, forbearing one another in love, talks about Forbearing one another a love is that byproduct of of lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering where we can, quote-unquote, put up with those people that we live with, the people that we minister to, the people that we live life with. Um, I don't know about you, but there's times where I need to be humble and admit, and, and admit that I'm wrong. There's times where I need to be gentle and, 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 and speak softly uh, to others, and there's times where I definitely need to exercise patience because if you know anything about me, I'm a very impatient person when it comes to like, hey, let's get this fixed and let's move on. Um, I was thankful at the doctors with Kenna. He took that shot, put it in her leg, and within an hour or two hours, she was 100% better. That, to me, I'm like, hey, that's awesome. So boom, 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 boom. She's feeling great. And, uh, that, and that's just me when it comes to patience. But if we work on humbleness and gentleness and patience, then we can minister to others in an attitude of love. In verse 3, it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring gives this idea of e- eagerness to keep the unity. How many parents in here this morning have multiple children? Multiple children. Of those that have multiple children, how many times have you had to say these words? Stop fighting. Why? Because A, it's probably giving you a headache, it's probably ignoring you. Uh, My wife and I are probably about a year out before we have to explain that to McKenna and and Abilene. But um, why for stop fighting? My mom always used to say, can't we just have peace in this house? No, because they did something, and I want to make them feel like a a, a fool for it. Um, And and yet, when it comes to the body of Christ, Paul's saying, look, you have to be eager, you have to be passionate, you have to endeavor to stay unified which is quite the opposite of, oh, I didn't like the way so-and-so did that, or I didn't like what they wore or what they did. And and yet that, to me, kind of scratches my head saying this is not the unity that God calls us for. So if we're to walk worthy, if we're to be unified in order to grow in our faith, we have to walk worthy, we have to walk godly to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. One commentator said, the Spirit bestows oneness, Of all true believers, and has created the bond of peace, the spiritual cord that surrounds and binds God's people together. This bond is love. Now, as I know, Christmas has just passed. How many of you had to put something together because of a Christmas gift that came disassembled? One of us, great. Now, I'm sure there's more. Um, I uh, was putting something together, a gift from my wife just uh, yesterday, and, and this is what she said to me. She goes, You know, You're not like most guys. And then I'm like, all right, this is going to be interesting. What's going on? She says, you actually follow the instructions. And you put things together based off the instructions. Now, when she wasn't in the room, I did not tell her that I accidentally skipped a step and totally forgot a couple bolts or whatever. But um, after she said that, she walks out of the room, and I'm just like, all right. Like, patting myself on the back, got a little egotistical there for a moment. And, And basically, I explained to her, hey, I, there's sometimes where I've not followed instructions and I've put the instruction book to the side and I've made a complete mess out of it. You know, in this passage right here, just in these first three verses, Paul gives us a couple instructions on how for us to walk, <coughs> walk worthy. And we have the instruction booklet right there. The, the decision comes down to us on whether or not we're going to read and not just read, but listen and do the instructions that are laid out for us. In order to be unified, we must act godly. Number two this morning, uh, we must walk for the one. We must walk for the one. Now, just to paint a little backstory here, um, whenever I think of this idea of the one, in these next three verses, four, five, and six, we're going to see this idea of one um, in relation to God, in relation to how he is the one. My brother and I, growing up, we watched religiously a show called Monday Night Raw, and SmackDown, a.k.a. wrestling. We even watched it in the WCW days. And I mean, we grew up watching Hulk Hogan. We grew up watching The Ultimate Warrior. We went all, all the Hart brothers, but there came a time in our early teenage years where a wrestler came on the scene that just captivated everyone. He was known as The Rock, and my brother and I would stay up late past our Nine o'clock bedtime because Raw started at nine, and we would watch The Rock every Monday night on Raw. Now, there's things he said that are not appropriate, and I won't go into that. But we just thought his attitude, his demeanor was just hilarious. My brother would then take those wrestling moves and then practice them on me. Um, He perfected the Rock Bottom, the People's Elbow. He even did a move called the Pedigree, if you're familiar with Triple H. John's over there smiling. Uh, We did all this on a mattress that was this thick, so there was no broken bones. But anyways, um, we watched it. One of the things about The Rock, his nickname was The Great One. And so... um, Whenever I would say something to my older brother, he would look at me and say, Jabroni, you're talking to the great one. Know your role. And, uh, and he was acting like he was The Rock. And I'm like, you're not The Rock. You're just my older brother. And, uh, and then that usually would start a fight, and then we'd go into it. So whenever The Rock would say, he's the great one, I would kind of have this chuckle in the back of my mind. Yeah, you, you're the great one on this fake wrestling TV show. Sorry, John, I didn't mean to say it was fake. But um, uh, it scripted. Um, Whenever he would say, "I'm the great one," I would kind of chuckle and say, like, "You're not the great one. God's the great one," and, and, and that was just kind of a, a thing I had brought, like thought of growing up. But as as we look at this point, walking for the one, um, Paul conveys this thought. And Iron, I have no idea if that wrestling illustration even connected or made sense, but oh well. Um, now y'all know who my favorite wrestler was. Um, so, verse four: There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So why walk unified? Why walk worthy or godly? Why walk for this one? These three verses, in my opinion, are some of the boldest scriptures in all of the Bible. Because what these three verses are saying is Paul's explanation to what we're we're to walk worthy for. He said to walk worthy. He showed us how to walk worthy. And now he's given us the why as to why we need to walk worthy. And then he goes on to say, like, because there is one body, speaking of the church, the body of Christ. He says there's one spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes, even as you're called in one hope, speaking of, (coughs) excuse me, speaking of hope, the hope of eternal life, the gift in salvation, one Lord, speaking of only one way for salvation, as Acts four twelve says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You have to understand the the historical context of where Paul is surrounding himself in a very polytheistic society. When he says there's one faith, one God, one spirit, one hope, he is flat out saying everything else is false. It's wrong. It's not the God of the Bible. I don't know about you, but that's pretty bold. I I don't know if I have the courage or the mustard to go up to someone of another religion or faith and say, "Hey, your god's not real. He's fake." 2017, what's the biggest word we've heard? Fake news. There's a lot of fake gods out there. There's a lot of fake faiths out there unfortunately, and Paul is bold from prison. And says, look, there's only one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith. Speaking of the revealed teachings of Christ throughout Scripture. This book, the Holy Bible, this is it. This is God's word to us. There's no missing parts, in my opinion. There's no added testaments that need to be added in the front or the back. This is the complete revealed word of God. But Pastor Dan, there's things in here I don't know. You're right. I don't know them either because God chose not to reveal them. And who knows if I'll have a list of things to talk to God when I get to heaven and say, what about this? What about that? What about that? Or the moment we get to heaven and get glorified bodies, we just instantly know. I don't know. But there's, there's questions in the book. But yes, in terms of the validity, the inerrancy, the accuracy, we have God's word that has stood the test of time speaks of one baptism, speaking of baptism following salvation. But verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Speaking of the fact, there is only one true God as taught throughout Scripture. Pretty bold statement. In order for us to be unified, we must agree on who we are walking worthy for. And that's God. We need to walk worthy. We need to walk for the one. And that one is God. Number three, uh, we need to walk equipped. Verses 7 through 11. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 9. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended in the same, also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Paul explains to us that we need to, in order to stay unified, we must walk worthy, we must walk godly, we must walk for the one who is God. But then Paul begins to explain that you and I as believers have been equipped to walk now, when my daughter began the the steps of walking, um, I remembered this toy that uh, my in laws purchased. It was like one of those um, scooters. It has a bench seat and it 's got a handle on the back and it 's got the little anti tap tip uh, plastic at the bottom. So when Kenna would walk with it, like it was like her walker. She had to walk with assistance in order to learn how to walk. She was given a tool that taught her how to walk. And the same is true in the Christian respect, that God has given us tools in order to walk worthy. Right there in verse 7, we're given grace. What is grace? One commentator said it's the one-word definition of the gospel, getting what we don't deserve, salvation. So we get salvation from God it is one way to stay equipped, but then it goes on to say that we're given <coughs> excuse me, this measure of the gift of Christ, this is referring to every believer is given a spiritual gift to to be used in the body as a whole, and not all members, not all Christians, have the exact same gifts. Some overlap, some some may be unique. Some may have that gift to teach; others may have that gift to serve. Um, and yet, we're given grace. We're given this measure of gift. Excuse me, this measure of the gift, which is the spiritual gift. God, through his love, has saved us from the fire and has adopted us as his members, as heirs, as his sons, his daughters, into his own family. Not only does he save us and adopt us, but he enlists us into his army. We are now on his team, the winning side. As, as as excited as I was to watch a silly sporting event, and, and, and a team win a hockey game, or I'm sure Pastor Aaron last night was excited when Ohio State won a football game. Um, those excitements pale in comparison to realizing, I'm on God's team. I'm on the winning side. I know what the end of the book says, and we're going to win. And, and, and yet, Paul says that we're giving gifts, um, we're, we're adopted into his family, and, and, and yet, In verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Christ has the right to bestow those gifts because he is the victor over sin and death. Because he conquered all of the sin at the cross. In other words, he has that power because he's earned the right to to, to bestow those gifts. Verse 9, now that he ascended. What is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Christ came down from heaven to earth f- to fulfill his Father's ultimate plan of the redemption of man. In verses 10 and 11, verse 11, uh, the Bible says that he has equipped us with specific gifts or positions within the church to help us walk equipped. Specifically, he talks about Apostles. These apostles were, were sent ones. They were messengers. They were early church leaders. Um, in the early part of the church, he, there was also prophets in the early church. This was an individual that basically re-preached what the apostles had delivered. There, they, he spoke practical direct revelation or explained already given revelation. And, and evangelists were men who proclaimed the good news of salvation in Christ to unbelievers. And then this last part, these pastors and teachers, speaks of one office, this under-shepherd, the teaching shepherd, also known as an elder or a bishop or an overseer throughout Scripture. God has equipped the church today with leadership, <coughs> not to just, for lack of a better term, do all the work, but to help direct and encourage and invite others to walk worthy, to walk for God for God and to walk equipped in order to stay unified. In order to be unified we must acknowledge the gifts that God has equipped us with. Now, if you're like me and you get a Christmas gift, you probably don't know how to use it to its full potential one two three four days after christmas in fact there's probably some of you in here this morning thinking can't wait to get home get my hands on that gift and kind of tinker around with it more and learn more about it uh that's how i am and hopefully others are the same so i don't feel so bad about myself but um not today anyways um so when it comes to a gift there's it's exciting when you get something new you want to learn how to use it and this is this is after the uh assembly pages and the instruction booklet and um but when we get a gift, we 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 ask ourselves the question: Well, how do I use this? And we we intentionally learn how to use it. You see, God has given us the gift of salvation, but He's also given us a unique spiritual gift. And, and if in about a month or so, we're going to have a, uh, a a sermon series here at church where we're going to preach and talk about those spiritual gifts. And and there's even a um, a, a test that kind of can identify. Uh, and it's not like a foolproof test, but it's just a tool we use to say, hey, what are some areas in my life that I can be used of God? And, and you could take, whether it's the gift of serving or teaching, whatever it may be, and realize, hey, this is what God has equipped me with. So let me now use it um, for the for the furtherance of the, of the kingdom. And so we're given gifts, but we may say, well, how do we use them? How do we learn? Well, God's given us leadership and to point us to the word of God and how to use spiritual gifts. But in order to be unified, we must acknowledge that we've been given gifts. Quickly and lastly this morning, number four, not only was we walk worthy, walk for the one, walk equipped, but we also must walk to grow, walk to grow. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body, uh, to the edifying of itself and love. So, why are we giving these gifts by God? Why, for the sake of unity, um, are we giving these gifts? Uh, giving these gifts, excuse me. He explains purposes in verse twelve to, to to perfect, to equip the the saints, the believers, the work of the ministry, the service, the edifying of the body is the building up of the church. <coughs> and remember, Paul just finished talking about the gifts that God gave us and some of the leadership, but and now he's explaining why we should use these gifts to, to be equipped, to serve, to build up the church. He's speaking to the entire church of Ephesus, not just the leadership. This is something for all believers, not just for a few to get involved in. And in verse thirteen, Paul gives us some goals, some resolutions, if you will, some measuring points. and And if you want to like highlight this verse and underline these things, these are great things to keep in. In fact, for the new year, he says, number one, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Unity of the faith, oneness and harmony among believers is possible only when it is built upon a foundation of sound doctrine. I mentioned a moment ago, there's certain things that I'll separate on when it comes to like the doctrines and what the Word of God says, but there's certain things that are really practical when it comes to the Christendom, when it comes to the church, that people unfortunately ascribe as doctrine, but they're more preference. And, and for sake of time, I won't go into that. But um, Paul's saying, for the unity of the faith, it has to be, and, and one commentator says it has to be based on sound doctrine. And then it says, and, um, and, and the knowledge of the Son of God. This isn't necessarily talking about salvation, but a deep knowledge believers experience through growth, through prayer, through Bible study, and then also the obedience of what God's Word says. Uh, and it goes on to say in verse 13, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants us to measure and compare ourselves to Christ, who is the perfect authoritative standard to be measured to. God wants us to measure ourselves to Christ because he wants us to be Christ-like. God doesn't want us comparing each other with each other. God doesn't want me looking at my walk and comparing it with Alan's walk and then using Alan as, as, a, as, a, measuring, as a measuring point to where I need to be in my walk. No offense to Alan and his walk, but God wants me to measure my walk to Christ. God wants me to measure my walk to what Christ has done. But that's so unnatural because what do we do? We, we compare ourselves with other people. I jokingly was, uh, me personally, was comparing my family day trips this week with the Burns family day trips or the Flanagan family day trips. And I was like, oh, man, that would have been really cool to go there. Uh, there's a picture of pastor in jail. No worries. All charges have been dropped. And, uh Baal was astronomical. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, but there's things that we naturally will compare with other people, whether it's how we act or the way certain other people do. God's saying, look, no. The the measure, the stature is Christ and Him alone. Verse 14, Paul warns us that we be no more children, that we don't believe every new thing, every new wind. At the end of the verse, he says, look, beware of men's tricks that are going to come. And in verse 15, he shows us to grow. By sharing the faith, speaking the truth in love. Sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth offends. But yet if we speak it in love with compassion and care, that truth, that sound doctrine is how we're admonished to speak. But speaking the truth of love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. We are to grow up into Christ who is the head, the authority, and the leader of the church. And look at verse 16. This is like the capstone verse in this whole passage. From whom the body... From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by, by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The body simply fits And works together. I'm not a biology major. I'm not that great when it comes to uh, anatomy and physiology. I'm not that guy. But what I do know is that we were created intelligently by God Almighty, and the intricacies of our physical bodies work together for a stated purpose. And Paul's saying the same is true in the church. The way you need food and drink to learn how to crawl, walk, and run in your spiritual life, you need the Word of God to learn about salvation, to learn about the need to be baptized, to learn about the need for Christian. And how to share your faith that the body simply fits and works together. Each part has a purpose, a use, a specific gift. And as the body works, catch this, this is profound. As the body works, the byproduct, and this verse says, the body grows. Think about that. If the body works, the body grows. If the body is not growing, there's something that's not working. And I may be talking about the physical body, but I also may be talking about the church body in that statement. Godly biblical church growth results from every member of the body fully using his spiritual gift in submission to the Holy Spirit and in cooperation with other believers. Cooperation. The opposite of cooperation would be disunity. In order for us to see this church grow, we must walk worthy. We must walk for God, we must walk equipped, and we must walk to grow. It's not an idea of, of staying comfortable, it's an idea of continually and progressively growing. We have no problem growing physically, especially around the holidays when it comes to really delicious food. We know we have to eat, we know we have to do these things, but if we had that same attitude into our spiritual walk, I really believe 2018 can be a year where Oasis Baptist Church is used to reach this community, and this city for the cause of Christ. But every member, every part of the body is needed for that to happen. In order for us to be unified, we must grow in Christ daily. So what is your goals? What are your resolutions? Mine, personally, are to stay consistent, get involved, and compare myself to Christ, not anyone else. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.